This is from a recorded talk. So on these Saturdays we come together to practice the Dhamma. And so with uh, practicing the Dhamma, it's actually very normal, natural, that throughout our lives, throughout the day, we're always meeting with the Dhamma. We're meeting with Rupa Dhammas, these physical Dhammas, physical phenomena, and Nama Dhammas, these mental phenomena. So this Rupa Dhamma is that which has form, or things that we can see with our eyes. So for example, our own bodies, the bodies of other people, the bodies of animals, these are Rupa Dhammas. And as for the Nama Dhammas, uh, these are the mental qualities. So for example, the feelings that we gain and the thoughts, or the feelings around the thoughts that we have. And so these have different tones to them. And there are pleasant feelings, unpleasant feelings, and neutral feelings. And so these arise in the body and in the mind. There's also sanya, this memory. So for example, when we remember the names of different things, different objects, then this is sanya. And this is also involved with uh, our bodies and with form as well. Is if the brain is working well, then sanya, this memory, will be able to operate. And so it operates in conjunction with the body. It relies upon the body as well. So in these forms, these bodies are working while they're functioning, then the sanya can function too. So the Vedana feelings are also um, independent on this body as well, the feelings that we get from the body. So when the body is working well, then these feelings get sense into the mind. So then there's, after that, sankharas, these mental uh, phenomena. Or, um, and so this can either be of the meritorious sort, or the demeritorious sort, or that which is neither meritorious nor demeritorious. So perhaps sometimes our mind thinks, and it thinks sometimes about good things, about meritorious things, sometimes about bad things, or sometimes things which are neutral. And so these are sankharas. So these sankharas are also involved with the brain as well. They're also connected to our memory. So both the physicality and mentality, they are connected together. And then there's vijnana, the sense consciousness, and the feeling that we see something. And that's also um, got to do with the body as well. Because if our eyes aren't working, if we're blind, or if we're deaf, then we won't be able to um, see or hear things. That information doesn't get sent to the mind. Or if our nerves aren't working well, then they won't be able to send various sensations that we get through the body. There won't be any feeling of hot or cold or any touch. And these things don't get sent to the mind. And so our minds, they don't receive them. So this is vijnana, the sense consciousness. And this can arise 
over any of the sense bases, whether it's the eyes, the ears, the nose, the tongue, the body, or the mind. So with these physical and mental things, the Buddha taught 84,000 Dharma doors, but if we gather these all together and we boil them down, just like how we chanted before, and that uh, form is impermanent, is inconstant, and feeling is impermanent, um, memory or perception is impermanent, mental formations are impermanent, sense consciousness is impermanent. And so all of these, this form, feeling, memory, uh, mental formation, sense consciousness, they're also stressful, they're also not-self. These are things that we've listened to before, things that we have chanted before as well. So if we boil all of that down, all those teachings down, it comes down to all physical and mental things are changing, they're inconstant, they're stressful, they're not self. So the reason that we practice the Dhamma is to get to know these things, to study them, to understand them. That form is really how the Buddha taught it, that it really is something that is always changing. So why is it that our minds see them as being something constant, as something stable? The same goes for the feelings, the memories, um, the mental formations and the sense consciousness, that these things are unstable, they're stressful, they're not self. So why then do our hearts perceive them as being stable, as being a form of happiness, and as being a self. And the mind that views things in this way is viewing them kind of out of touch with reality. This is distorted perception. It doesn't view things in line with the Dhamma. So this is why we need to come and to practice the Dhamma. Because if we don't take up this practice of the Dhamma, then as children we'll suffer. When we go to school, then we'll suffer. When we enter the workforce, then we'll suffer. And then when we get old, the body gets painful, and then we suffer again and again. And in whatever state or status that we're in, if we're someone who has a lot of money, someone who has many opportunities in life, for example, there'll just be suffering that we experience. And so what's the reason for that? It's because our views are not correct. And that's how suffering arises. It's because we have wrong view. And so we see this suffering come up. We know there's suffering, but we don't really know it. We don't truly understand it. We don't really know its causes that bring it into being. And why does it come up? We don't know its cessation either. We don't know the path leading to the end of all suffering. When the suffering appears, then we take it as being a self. We take possession over it. Uh, But really, the suffering is just a quality of nature. It's something that arises due to causes and conditions. (coughs) And when those causes and conditions cease, then that suffering ceases as well. And so all dhammas or phenomena arise due to causes. 
And this is a teaching that the Buddha gave to Venerable Asaji. And then he, in turn, took that teaching and gave it to Venerable Sariputta, who at that time was the wanderer Upatisa. So he told him that all Dhammas have a cause for their arising. In the Buddha, he taught the causes for the arising of Dhammas, and he also taught their cessation as well. That when those causes disappear, then that thing disappears. And through this, he gained the eye of the Dhamma, uh, because he knew the state of these Dhammas. He knew um, how they arise due to causes, and that's all it took for him to understand. And how when those causes go out, then we won't be able to find any self, any being there. Instead of what we normally perceive it to be, how we normally take it to be a self, and see that that, in fact, is not the case. So these forms, these bodies, they arise due to causes as well. And then when those causes cease, then these forms also cease. And is our minds able to control this form? Are we able to stop it from getting old? Are we able to order it to not experience any pain? Are we able to prevent it from dying? Well, we're not able to do any of these things. That when we're born already, then we experience old age, sickness and death in this way. So we see in this present day and age how there are many people who get cancer. Really this cancer is deterioration of the body, deterioration of this heap of elements, this heap of earth, water, fire and air that have come together. So when we're born then this develops. New cells grow, old cells die, but there's new cells there to replace the old. But after a while, what happens is that the old cells die and the new ones don't replace them in time. And so this is deterioration, degeneration taking place. And then eventually these elements return to where they were before. The cells deteriorate in this way and they go back to the earth elements. They go back to this earth. And so this is what happens when we get illnesses like cancer, for example, and the body changes in this way. And this is something that is completely normal. This is anicca, this impermanence and constancy displaying itself. This is dhamma that is appearing for us, that this is really how things are, this is the truth. And this is how the Buddha taught as well, that all form is impermanent. And so we see that it really is impermanent in this way that it does have this nature to decay. And when we get ill, then this nature of deterioration is displaying itself for us to see. And so there's old age, there's illness, there's pain, and in the end the body decays, deteriorates to the point where it dies. And no one in this world has ever been able to stop this. No one has ever been able to live forever. And that person just doesn't exist. Even uh, Buddha, he awakened uh, to the Dhamma, he became the Buddha, 
but still he had to give up his body. He entered into Fauna Nibbana. And the khandas uh, decayed following time, following causes and conditions. So the Buddha encouraged us, taught us to be heedful, to be contemplating the nature of these bodies of physicality. And so we can see clearly into them that they are not self. There's no being, no individual, no self, no other to be found there. So it's possible to see this uh, really clearly, to gain a lucid vision of this, that truly there is no self here. There's no me, there's no them. And then through this, the heart becomes free from all suffering. When the body gets old, then we just allow it to follow. It's the course of nature. And we know within our hearts that this is how things are, that there's pain arising in the body and this is something natural, that this is what deterioration of this form is like. And in the end, this body needs to pass away. And we know that this is its nature. And no one's able to escape from this fate. No one can flee from old age, sickness and death. But if we still have defilements there within our hearts, if there's still attachment, then we'll need to be born again. Perhaps we get born as a human, and then we study, we gain knowledge. We may gain many things in this world. We may have a family, we may gain a lot of possessions and wealth. It depends on how much barami we have. But in the end, we need to be separated from these things again. We need to leave all of them again. And then due to the ignorance, the craving and the clinging there within the heart, and we go to the next birth, and then the next death, and then the next birth, and then the next death, like this. And so there's always dukkha, always suffering there. Even though we may get the things that we desire, one day we have to be separated from these things. We may have a family, we may have a lot of wealth, may have parents and uh, siblings and spouses, children who we love, may have everything um, in complete form. But eventually we have to be separated from these things. And when that happens, then there's great agony. So the fully self-awakened Buddha, as the Bodhisattva uh, Siddhartha, he had all things in his life. Everything was in a state of completion. He had a lot of wealth, a lot of possessions. He had his wife, Pimpa, his son, Rahula, many relatives who he loved. But the thought came up that he needed to be separated from all of these things. And eventually, even though his body was strong now, it would have to get old, it would have to sicken, it would have to die. And he would have to be separated from all these people who he loved. And he thought, well, it really shouldn't be this way that I have all these things that I like, everything is complete, and so these things should stay forever, they should be able to stay with me. But he also saw how that's just not how it is. That's not how this world is. That um, 
Even though we don't wish for deterioration to happen, it still happens. So he went out to seek the path that leads to the end of suffering. And through that he realized the Dhamma. He became an Arahant, one far away from the defilements. He became the fully self-awakened Buddha. So having sought out this path, um, he realized that this ignorance gives rise to craving, which gives rise to clinging and then becoming in birth. And so there may be a lot of desire in this craving, for example. Um, there may be a lot of desire there for sensual things. There may be desire to become or the desire to not become. So this desire for sensuality, it's um, the delighting that we have in forms and in feelings and in memories, mental formations and sense consciousness. Because we see these things as being me and mine. But the Buddha understood that there are causes and conditions for these things to arise. And there's the cause for suffering to arise as well, right here within this present life. And not only do they cause suffering to arise in this present life, but they also cause us to be born again into future lives. If we have a lot of skillfulness and merit in our minds, then we may get born as a deva, celestial being, or as a Brahma, God. If um, we have some merit, then we may be born as a human. Or if at the point of death there is demerit, there's this unskillfulness there within the heart, and that sends its results um, at the point of death, then due to the ignorance, the craving, the clinging there within the mind, and we'll get born into a woeful or a painful state, into hell or the hungry ghost realm or as an animal. And here there's a lot of suffering that appears. And then getting uh, dying from there, then we need to get born again and die again. And this is how the cycle of samsara goes. And so what about us? Do we have a firm belief, conviction about where we're going to be born next? If we have uh, sila, dhamma, this virtue within us, um, then we'll go to heaven, maybe even be born as a Brahma. But are we sure that that's what's going to happen to us? Are we really certain about this? Or do we think that these things are not sure? That perhaps it's possible to fall lower than the human realm, fall down into hell, or uh, be born as an animal or a hungry ghost? Because that's what happens when most humans pass away. And the vast majority get born in the lower realms. And those who regain birth again as a human, or as a deva or a brahma, are very few. And so we should try to ensure a good next birth. And we do that by practicing, following the teachings of the Buddha. It's like this teaching that the Buddha gave on Maga Puja, the Avadapadimoka. And so this starts with Sapa Papasa Akaranang, the abandonment, not doing any evil. And so we don't do this in the actions of body, speech, and mind. 
But in the beginning, we focus on the body and on speech, trying to abandon any evil, any unskillful deed. It's like all of us here, we have taken the eight precepts already. And so this precept not to kill, not to steal, not to engage in any sexual activity, not to lie, um, not to take any intoxicants or beautify the body, or watch entertainment, or um, eat after midday, or sleep in high places. And then we have the um, firm intention to um, abstain from all of these things, to abstain from anything which is evil, which is unskillful. So anything that isn't good, then we try to abandon that, and really set our hearts on doing that during this day really be focused on um, composing our body and speech so that they are virtuous, our actions of body and speech are virtuous. And so when our actions of body and speech are like this, they are virtuous, they are good and moral, um, then that means that we have abandoned this unskillfulness, we've abandoned evil, and we're intent not to do this, we're not going to do or say anything that is bad. And so we abandon evil through our body and speech in this way. And then we come to develop these minds, to make them firm in samadhi. And uh, because it's also possible for this papa, and this, these harmful acts to appear within our minds as well. For example, unskillful thoughts that may come up. And there's also skillful thoughts too. And so these thoughts have been generous thoughts of keeping the precepts, thoughts of kindness, compassion, sympathetic joy, and equanimity. And so we have the intention to really be focused on these, to uh, be sincere in our efforts to develop these things. And when we do this, then this is manno kama. This is a mental action, a good mental action. Or perhaps some people, they have this intention that in this life, when their duties are less, when they've got less work to do, um, perhaps when they're 50 or 55 years old, then they will ordain as a monk in the Buddha Sasana. And so this is a skillful intention that comes up, and it comes due to the faith that we have. And if we have this intention, then our minds have ordained as a monk already. So these things, they appear mentally, they appear within the mind first. When we can abandon all unskillful deeds through body and speech, then this is sila, this is virtue. And then we come to practice uh, samadhi and trying to bring the mind into a skillful state as well, trying to bring it into a good state. We also have this intention to listen to the Dhamma to be generous, to keep the precepts, to meditate, or perhaps to ordain as a monk. And so we meditate, we practice, in order to abandon greed, hatred, and delusion. And we do it to change our hearts, to make them better. And so these changes, they occur within our hearts first. And so we have these bodies of humans, and then when we keep the precepts, we speak and act in skillful ways, 
we are virtuous, um, then we develop minds which are truly human as well. And when we really are sincere in keeping these precepts, we will even accept death. We would rather die um, than break these precepts, than to not be virtuous. And when we have this attitude, and when we can keep the precepts like this, then uh, we, are, we have actions of body and speech which are truly human. The next we try to practice. Because um, sometimes, even though externally things may be complete, our minds may be a different matter. Because in their present state, they're still shakeable. And perhaps bad thoughts can arise within the mind. You may think about killing, think about stealing, think about lying, for example. And if anger arises or will comes up within the heart, then we may want to start shouting at people or abusing them or killing them. And this comes through the mind of ill will. And even though the body is human, the mind has changed already. And it changes very, very quickly. And so perhaps the mind falls then, falls down into hell, becomes a hungry ghost or an animal. And if there's heat within the heart, then that is hell already. Even though we don't act on these things, um, the mind is on fire, the mind's very hot because of the greed, hatred and delusion that has appeared within it. And so the heart has fallen to hell already. And if we die in that state, then we'll also gain a hellish body too. Because the mind, it's, it's hot, it's not cool. But if we develop this inner peace, this inner coolness, and due to the precepts that we keep, and there's joy, there's happiness, there's goodness there within the heart, then this is a heart of merit. And if the body dies in this state, then the mind goes up to heaven. So these things, they depend upon the mind. And so for us, um, we have to be born again due to the greed, hatred, and delusion, due to the ignorance, craving, and clinging there within the mind. And we don't really know where it is that we're going to go. Sometimes people are born, and they're born into a Buddhist family, and they have faith in Buddhism. But they think that practicing the Dhamma is something for the monks to do. That for us lay people, we're generous, and that's the place of a lay person in Buddhism. And they have this interest in the teachings of the Buddha, but it's not much. They claim that I am Buddhist, but they don't really practice. And this is good to one degree. They keep the Buddha there within their heart to one level. But perhaps it's just not their time yet. But when their time comes, then they see the suffering there within their heart. And then they wonder, well, how is it that this pain has appeared? And this is the truth of suffering. And then they ask, well, how can I find a way out of this? Why is it that I fear things? Why is there this hate? Why do I love things too much? Why is there anger? Why are these things happening? And sometimes they crop up to the degree that 
We're not able to get to sleep at night. Perhaps we're not even able to eat anything. And so we should think that this is the noble truth of suffering appearing for us. And then we need to find a path out of this. And so we ask, well, how and what is that path? And so we seek for it. We study, we try to find that path. And this is the path that the Buddha has taught already. He's taught this Dhamma, all 84,000 Dharma teachings. He taught that this upadana, this attachment to form and feeling, memory or perception, mental formation, sense consciousness, this is what causes suffering. And so then we try to find a path out of this suffering. So for myself, I saw this as well. And that's what inspired me to find the path out. I went to study and sought out that path and tried sitting in meditation and keeping the five precepts. And then eventually as my faith grew, I kept the eight precepts. And one day I listened to a Dhamma talk that Lumpului uh, gave on uh, a Salaha Puja day in Jantaburi province um, in the year 1975. And so from that Dharma talk, um, the faith grew within me uh, to the point where I decided to keep the eight precepts from that day on and then to really devote myself to practice the Dhamma to sit in meditation and making my actions a body and speech peaceful. But when I sat in meditation initially, there wasn't any peace there. I could only sit for five minutes and then I couldn't take it anymore because everything was just agitated and hot. And I asked myself, well, why is this happening? And before I thought that I was quite a cool-hearted person. I didn't see any heat there. But when I sat in meditation, it was like my mind was on fire. And there was just so much heat there inside my heart, and I couldn't sit. But I endured with that, and started with five minutes, and then moved up to ten minutes, and then thirty minutes, and then an hour. And so I was able to progress in this way. And then when my samadhi came together, then my body and heart felt very light. And eventually it became more and more stable there in my mind. And this um, became the catalyst for changes to occur within my heart. And so I listened to the Dhamma, I had this interest uh, in the Dhamma, and something that I would uh, listen to often. If I knew that a teacher was coming, or um, that there was a Dhamma talk being played on the radio, or a tape um, of Dharma that I had, then I would listen to this a lot. And so initially this is something that we should do, just listen to the Dharma a lot, do this very often. And then as we do this, then the mind doesn't think scatteredly about other things. It becomes settled in the Dharma. It becomes full of ease because we start understanding this path of practice, and the mind becomes buoyant and light. Then eventually we gain the mindfulness and the wisdom to gain knowledge and seeing how these five khandhas, attachment to them is suffering. And we're able to abandon them slowly but surely. 
till eventually we see the nature of the things in this world. Now, all of them are conventions. All of them, all of the elements here are anicca, dukkha, anatta. They're unstable, stressful, not self. We can't find any being, any self, any other there. And so they lose then all their value. But we should also not try to control ourselves too much in this practice of the Dhamma. And so as we practice the Dhamma and steadily go on with it, then joy, happiness arises within the heart. And then we gain this really deep happiness that comes from seeing the truth, from seeing things that we haven't seen before, that we haven't understood before, but we understand it now. And just like how the Buddha taught that all of these four elements, the anicca, dukkha, anatta, in this way, you see how everyone who is born is going to old age, sickness, and death. And we can't find any true essence, any true meaning within this. And so then, it's appropriate for us to seek out the Dhamma, to seek out this path of practice, in order to know the Dhamma, in order to reduce the suffering there within our hearts. So we steady ourselves in goodness. And we meditate because we wish to abandon uh, ignorance, craving, and clinging. We wish to cut away at the three lower fetters of self-view, skeptical doubt, and attachments to rites and rituals. And when we do this, then there's no longer any doubts in our minds with regards to the practice of the Dhamma. So may all of us be firm in practicing the Dhamma. And just like how we've come here on the Saturday, we've taken up these eight precepts, our bodies and minds have been brought to a state of peace. And we're developing our barami uh, by practicing the Dhamma, by listening to the Dhamma, and by training ourselves in this way, training ourselves in samadhi until samadhi becomes complete, until the mind gathers together into just one point. And here, this apana samadhi, this accents concentration arises. And then from the power of that concentration, we can contemplate into physical and mental phenomena and see them as anicca, dukkha, anatta. We see all material things are this way. And then we don't wish for them anymore. We don't want any of them. And because all of them are um, imbued with these three characteristics of anicca, dukkha, anatta. And so we don't seek them out too much, but instead we rather just use them um, to live our lives. We see how all physical and mental things arise day for a bit and cease. When they have causes to arise, then they arise. When those causes disappear, then they disappear. And we understand how it's appropriate for us to abandon all unskillfulness, any evil within our body, speech, and mind. And this is something that we abandon each day. And we carry on doing this each day, each week, each month, each year, each life that we live. Trying to develop our minds, 
and trying to grow in goodness. And so we have this intention to be generous, to listen to the Dhamma, to practice, to sit in meditation, and building up the goodness in this way. Perhaps we have the intention to ordain as a monk. And through doing this, then we've ordained in the heart already. But we have this intention that one day I will ordain as a monk in the Buddhasasana and really set our intention like this. And so we carry on practicing in this way, building up our wisdom until skillfulness reaches a state of completion. And when this happens, then the mind becomes pure. It becomes free from all clinging. And this is something that is possible for us to do. We can reach purity in this way. This freedom from attachment towards all physical and mental things. And this happens through seeing the truth in um, forms and in feelings and in perception, mental formations and sense consciousness. Seeing how all of these things are anicca, dukkha, anatta, that we can't find any self there within them. So if we understand this, then we will see the Dhamma. But we need to keep our minds with their meditation objects. We need to be practicing, uh, keeping them with Buddha, Dhamma, Sangha, for example. Always overseeing these minds, managing them, trying to keep them with a skillful object in this way. And when we have this object in meditation, then the mind will reach peace. And it will be able to be freed from all unskillful qualities. Uh, But we also aren't able to hold control over our mind in this way. And just like how when people practice, they know that thinking bad thoughts isn't good, and so they don't want them at all. But this wanting to not have, this is tanha, this is craving. And so when the mind thinks about something which isn't good and we don't want that, then craving appears and then we suffer. And so we should see how these bad thoughts, they're just something that are natural. And we know them and we let them go. We know them, we don't act upon them, we don't speak upon them. Any thought which is good, then we can follow that, we can speak on that, we can do that thought. But it's not the case that we're able to immediately just throw away all of these bad thoughts. And rather we have the intention to give rise to goodness, and we set our hearts in this way. Firstly, having control over our body and speech. But this mind is something which is very difficult to manage, it's difficult to control. Because these qualities of ignorance, craving and clinging uh, have been controlling the mind for a very long time. So therefore we need to develop mindfulness and wisdom and have these looking over and controlling our body and speech first. And it's not the case that we can just stop the mind instantly from thinking any bad thoughts. That's not what happens. Initially, if there's just 10% good thoughts, then that is already quite good. And so slowly we try to grow that number, uh, grow that ratio, until eventually the good thoughts outweigh the bad. So we carry on practicing like this, giving rise to skillfulness. 
And then as we do this, then we'll gain clarity of insight into the Dhamma and through the teachings of the Buddha. And that the way that he taught, it really is that way. The things that we chant, they really are this way. And so we study practice like this. We study, we meditate. We are composed in body and speech. We try to speak little, sleep little, eat little, but meditate a lot. Be developing ourselves in the Dhamma in this way. And so may all of you grow in the Dhamma. May you set your hearts on this path of practice.